This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Life on the Mississippi by Mark Twain. Chapter 38 The House Beautiful. We took passage in a Cincinnati boat for New Orleans, or on a Cincinnati boat. Either is correct. The former is the eastern form of putting it, the latter is the western. Mr. Dickens declined to agree that the Mississippi steamboats were magnificent, or that they were floating palaces, terms which had always been applied to them, terms which did not over-express the admiration with which the people viewed them. Mr. Dickens' position was unassailable, possibly. The people's position was certainly unassailable. If Mr. Dickens was comparing these boats with the crown jewels, or with the Taj, or with the Matterhorn, or with some other priceless or wonderful thing which he had seen, then they were not magnificent, he was right. The people compared them with what they had seen, and, thus measured, thus judged, the boats were magnificent. The term was the correct one. It was not at all too strong. The people were as right as was Mr. Dickens. The steamboats were finer than anything on shore. Compared with superior dwelling-houses and first-class hotels in the valley, they were indubitably magnificent. They were palaces. To a few people living in New Orleans and St. Louis, they were not magnificent, perhaps, not palaces, but to the great majority of those populations, and to the entire population spread over both banks between Baton Rouge and St. Louis, they were palaces. They tallied with the citizen's dream of what magnificence was, and satisfied it. Every town and village along that vast stretch of double river frontage had a best dwelling, finest dwelling, mansion, the home of its wealthiest and most conspicuous citizen. It is easy to describe it, large grassy yard with paling fence painted white, in fair repair, brick walk from gate to door, big, square, two-story frame-house, painted white and porticoed like a Grecian temple, with this difference, that the imposing fluted columns and Corinthian capitals were a pathetic sham, being made of white pine and painted. Iron knocker, brass door-knob, discolored for lack of polishing. Within an uncarpeted hall of planed boards, opening out of it a parlor, fifteen feet by fifteen, in some instances five or ten feet larger. Ingrain carpet, mahogany center-table, lamp on it with green paper shade, standing on a gridiron, so to speak, made of high-colored yarns by the young ladies of the house, and called a lamp-mat. Several books, piled and disposed, with cast-iron exactness, according to an inherited and unchangeable plan, among them Tupper, much penciled, also Friendship's Offering, and Affection's Wreath, with their sappy inanities illustrated in diaway mezzotints, also Ossian, Alonzo and Melissa, maybe Ivanhoe, also Album, full of original poetry of the Thou hast wounded the spirit that loved thee breed. Two or three goody-goody works, Shepherd of Salisbury Plain, etc., current number of the chaste and innocuous goodies ladies' book, with painted fashion-plate of wax-figure women with mouths all alike, lips and eyelids the same size, 
each five-foot woman with a two-inch wedge sticking from under her dress and letting on to be half of her foot. Polished air-tight stove, new and deadly invention, with pipe passing through a board which closes up the discarded old fireplace. On each end of the wooden mantel over the fireplace a large basket of peaches and other fruits, natural size, all done in plaster, rudely, or in wax, and painted to resemble the originals, which they don't. Over middle of mantel, engraving, Washington crossing the Delaware. On the wall by the door, copy of it done in thunder and lightning cruels by one of the young ladies, work of art which would have made Washington hesitate about crossing, if he could have foreseen what advantage was going to be taken of it. Piano, kettle in disguise, with music, bound and unbound, piled on it, and on a stand nearby. Battle of Prague, Bird Waltz, Arkansas Traveler, Rosin the Bow, Marseilles Hymn, On a Lone Barren Isle, St. Helena, The Last Link is Broken. She wore a wreath of roses the night when last we met. Go, forget me, why should sorrow o'er that brow a shadow fling? Hours there were to memory dearer. Long, long ago, days of absence. A life on the ocean wave, a home on the rolling deep. Bird at sea. And spread open on the rack, where the plaintive singer has left it. Row, hole on, silver moon, guide the traveller his way, etc. Tilted pensively against the piano, a guitar. Guitar capable of playing the Spanish fandango by itself, if you give it a start. Frantic work of art on the wall pious motto, done on the premises, sometimes in colored yarns, sometimes in faded grasses, progenitor of the God Bless Our Home of modern commerce. Framed in black mouldings on the wall, other works of arts, conceived and committed on the premises by the young ladies, being grim black-and-white crayons, landscapes mostly, lake, solitary sailboat, petrified clouds, pre-geological trees on shore, anthracite precipice, name of criminal conspicuous in the corner. Lithograph, Napoleon crossing the Alps, Lithograph, the grave at St. Helena, Steel plates, Trumbull's Battle of Bunker Hill, and the sally from Gibraltar, Copper plates, Moses smiting the rock, and return of the prodigal son, in the big gilt frame, slander the family in oil. Papa holding a book, Constitution of the United States. Guitar leaning against Mama, blue ribbons fluttering from its neck. The young ladies, as children, in slippers and scalloped pantalettes, one embracing toy horse, the other beguiling kitten with ball of yarn, and both simpering up at Mama, who simpers back. These persons, all fresh, raw, and red, apparently skinned. Opposite, in gilt frame, Grandpa and Grandma, at thirty and twenty-two, stiff, old-fashioned, high-collared, puff-sleeved, glaring pallidly out from a background of solid Egyptian night. Under a glass French clock-dome, large bouquet of stiff flowers, done in corpsey-white wax. Pyramidal what-not in the corner, the shelves occupied chiefly with bric-a-brac of the period, disposed with an eye to best effect shell with the lord's prayer carved on it another shell of the long oval sort narrow straight orifice three inches long running from end to end 
portrait of Washington carved on it, not well done. The shell had Washington's mouth originally. Artists should have built to that. These two are memorials of the long-ago bridal trip to New Orleans and the French market. Other bric-a-brac, California specimens, quartz with gold wart adhering, old guinea gold locket with circlet of ancestral hair in it, Indian arrowheads of flint, pair of bead moccasins from uncle who crossed the plains, three alum baskets of various colors being skeleton frame of wire clothed on with cubes of crystallized alum in the rock candy style, works of art which were achieved by the young ladies, their doubles and duplicates to be found upon all whatnots in the land, convention of desiccated bugs and butterflies pinned to a card, painted toy dog seated upon bellows attachment, drops its underjaw and squeaks when pressed upon, sugar-candy rabbit, limbs and features merged together not strongly defined, pewter presidential campaign medal, miniature cardboard wood-sawyer to be attached to the stove-pipe and operated by the heat, small napoleon done in wax, spread open daguerreotypes of dim children, parents, cousins, aunts and friends, in all attitudes but customary ones, no templed portico at back, and manufactured landscapes stretching away in the distance, that came in later, with the photograph. All these vague figures lavishly chained and ringed, metal indicated and secured from doubt by stripes and splashes of vivid gold bronze, all of them too much combed, too much fixed up, and all of them uncomfortable in inflexible Sunday clothes of a pattern which the spectator cannot realize could ever have been in fashion. Husband and wife generally grouped together, husband sitting, wife standing, with hand on his shoulder, and both preserving all these fading years some traceable effect of the daguerreotype's brisk, Now smile, if you please! Bracketed over what not, place of special sacredness, an outrage in water-color done by the young niece that came on a visit long ago, and died. Pity, too, for she might have repented of this in time. Horsehair chairs, horsehair sofa, which keeps sliding from under you, window shades of oil stuff, with milkmaids and ruined castles stenciled on them in fierce colors, lambrequins dependent from gaudy boxings of beaten tin, gilded, bedrooms with rag carpets, bedsteads of corded sort with a sag in the middle, the cords needing tightening, snuffy feather bed, not aired often enough cane-seat chairs, splint-bottomed rocker, looking-glass on wall, school-slate size, veneered frame, inherited bureau, wash-bowl and pitcher, possibly, but not certainly, brass candlestick, tallow-candle, snuffers, nothing else in the room, not a bathroom in the house, and no visitor likely to come along who has ever seen one. That was the residence of the principal citizen all the way from the suburbs of New Orleans to the edge of St. Louis. When he stepped aboard a big fine steamboat, he entered a new and marvelous world. Chimney-tops cut to counterfeit a spraying crown of plumes, and maybe painted red. Pilot-house, hurricane-deck, boiler-deck guards, all garnished with white wooden filigree work of fanciful patterns. Gilt acorns topping the derricks gilt deer-horns over the big bell, gaudy symbolical picture on the paddle-box, possibly, 
big roomy boiler-deck painted blue and furnished with windsor armchairs inside a far-receding snow-white cabin porcelain knob and oil-picture on every stateroom door curving patterns of filigree work touched up with gilding stretching overhead all down the converging vista big chandeliers every little way each an april shower of glittering glass drops lovely rainbow light falling everywhere from the colored glazing of the skylights the whole a long-drawn resplendent tunnel a bewildering and soul-satisfying spectacle in the ladies cabin a pink and white wilton carpet as soft as mush and glorified with a ravishing pattern of gigantic flowers then the bridal chamber the animal that invented that idea was still alive and unhanged at that day bridal chamber whose pretentious flummery was necessarily overawing to the now tottering intellect of that hosannaing citizen every stateroom had its couple of cosy clean bunks and perhaps a looking-glass and a snug closet and sometimes there was even a wash-bowl and pitcher and part of a towel which could be told from mosquito-netting by an expert though generally these things were absent and the shirt-sleeved passengers cleansed themselves at a long row of stationary bowls in the barber-shop where were also public towels public combs and public soap take the steamboat which i have just described and you have her in her highest and finest and most pleasing and comfortable and satisfactory estate now cake her over with a layer of ancient and obdurate dirt and you have the cincinnati steamer a while ago referred to not all over only inside for she was ably officered in all departments except the stewards but wash that boat and repaint her and she would be about the counterpart of the most complimented boat of the old flush times for the steamboat architecture of the west has undergone no change neither has steamboat furniture and ornamentation undergone any End of chapter 38